Rick Stevens, financial advisor with FRS Financial Group, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. For more detailed information regarding any of the topics discussed on today's show, please call 719-500-8700. This is Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial. Here's your host, Rick Stevens. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. I am your host, Rick Stevens. And remember, folks, this is your show. If you've got questions you would like to hear answered, if you have topics you would like to hear covered, feel free. Give me a call, 719-500-8700. You can leave me a voicemail there. You can also send me an email, rstevens at frsfinancialgroup.com. You can also go to our website, frsfinancialgroup.com. Go to that contact tab in the top right corner. Send us that question. Send us that topic you'd like to hear more about because we would love to hear from you. Folks, we are here in the studio again this week with the, uh, let's see, what should I say? The, The very happy Lions fan, Andrew Rogers. Thank you very much, Mr. Bears fan. Well, yeah, you know, I knew it was coming, and and quite frankly, I really didn't give the Bears a whole lot of a lot of a shot because I've discovered mm-hmm. that in the NFL, they play four quarters of football, and the Bears usually play three. Well, and that's also kind of similar for the other team. Uh, uh, but but hey, the Honolulu blue looks good on you. Thank you. It brings up my eyes. That's yes. what I've been told. Yes, indeed. TJ yes, indeed. was mentioning that earlier. <laughs> Uh, I love it. Well, folks, this week, this is our uh, pre-Thanksgiving show, if you will. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the different things that have gone on in the market. We're going to talk about some of those headlines. We're going to revisit some crypto things because there have been some crypto things uh, going on. So you want to stick around for the entire hour this week uh, because we've got a number of things happening. But Andrew, where do you want to start this week? Well, let's just start kind of with, you know, the the big economic headlines. We, you know, talked a couple weeks ago as well ahead of the election. Now that uh, the dust is kind of settling somewhat, we get a little bit more of a picture of what's happening post-election and, you know, what that's going to mean for the markets. I think we got a happy market on the way. Uh, we do. We, we've got that, uh, that, that uh, happy outlook, if you will, uh, from the market side. You know the the one thing, and it's not a political statement here. It's a uh, a mathematical question that mm-hmm. I have, and that's I don't understand how the folks on let's say Dancing with the Stars can tabulate thirty million votes during a commercial break, but it takes Arizona and California three weeks after the election to figure out uh, you know just how the votes ought to be counted at that point. Yeah, it's a it, it it's a head scratcher. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit, but from all of the uh, the projections, if you will, even as we wait on some of those final returns coming in, it does look like we will have a split Congress. That mm-hmm. the House will will have a Republican majority. The Senate is either going to end up fifty fifty or maybe fifty one forty nine to the Democrat side, and the market likes that. It, it doesn't like just one party 
in power. Yeah, it's that kind of predictable gridlock and, you know, really knowing that there's not going to be a lot of, like, big landmark legislation getting through here that could really affect the business, regulations, things like that. Exactly. You know, typically speaking, when we see that divided Congress, we don't see the pendulum having swung one way or the other. We don't see the two extremes, which means, yes, it's predictable. And and as we have talked more than once in the past, the market likes predictability. The market likes to know, okay, nothing crazy is going to go on on either side of the political spectrum. We're going to understand that, quite frankly, it's going to be able to be business as usual, and that is typically good for the investors. Yeah, and you know, speaking of business as usual, earlier this week we also got the uh, October Consumer Price Index out, and that came in a little lower than projected as well, too. So showing that uh, things starting to maybe simmer down a little bit when it comes to inflation. Yeah, a little bit. And and again, the market has responded accordingly uh, to that sort of thing. And one of the one of the really cool pieces here, being able to take that look back, really because the end of September was mm-hmm. was ugly in markets. September as a month was pretty good until about that last week. Last week basically wiped out the September gains. But if we start at September 30th and just look over the last six weeks in the markets, whether we're talking about the Dow, we're talking about the NASDAQ, we're talking about the S&P 500, all three of those coming into today where, where we're recording have done very well. Right In that time frame, the, the NASDAQ has been up 7.4% in the last six weeks. The S&P 500, which is what I typically use as the benchmark because mm-hmm. we're looking at 500 companies across a, a variety of different sectors, that's been up over 11% in the last six weeks. And the Dow has been up just under 17% at 16.9 in that six-week time frame. Yeah, it's definitely more encouraging to note, and again, you know, as we've talked about it before, the the economy as a whole, not just the markets. The market, you know, kind of maybe one indicator, but the markets themselves, as you mentioned, the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ, not really indicating what the actual economy is as a whole because there's a lot of other things that go into it and things are starting to show a little bit of sign of relief going into the what's traditionally the busy holiday shopping quarter yeah it's uh it's interesting the the markets are typically especially when we think about it from an economic perspective they're typically a forward-looking indicator the the markets are typically looking at things six and 12 months ahead when it comes to the the predictive nature, if you will, of the economy. So we see that with really the the beginning and the first nine months-ish of 2022, we see that looking forward going, okay, there's going to be some pretty rough times coming down the pike here. So you see the market pull back there. We see the market starting to starting to push back forward, uh, if you will, push back to the to the north side, which will typically signal, okay, somewhere in that six, nine, twelve months down the line, the economy should start to begin to recover from the things we've seen, and and we've already seen part of that with that with that uh, reduction, if you will, in the CPI, or not really coming in as as heavily as uh, most folks had predicted on the inflation side. 
Now, there, there is some reactive nature to different things. Mm-hmm. Um, earlier this week, we, we also had that, you know, oh, maybe this means the Fed won't continue to raise the rates the way they are. But some of the Fed governors and the vice chair as well of the Fed came out and said, now, hold your horses, right? This is some good news right now, but, right? And if you look at what uh, the vice chair uh, Brainerd had said, he actually said that it would be appropriate soon to move to a slower pace of increases. So that doesn't necessarily mean, okay, we're going to go back and try to shift this all the way back down to the really low uh, Fed rates. But sometime soon, we're going to slow down how we increase it. And you actually also had uh, the Fed Governor Waller, who, who basically came back to say that the tightening policy isn't ending in the next meeting or two. Which means, yeah, there's still going to be some increases, but but most folks in the industry are looking at that ending somewhere either late quarter one or quarter two of next year. Yeah, and it kind of mirrors a little bit of what we've seen, you know, kind of the results of these interest rate hikes going into the market. You know, I was talking with a realtor friend of mine that, you know, for so long, especially here, it was like driving on I-25 and we were going 100 miles an hour. Right. And, you know, couldn't do that sustainably. You need to at least, you know, kind of cool it down. And, and we hit some traffic and really, you know, we got into that gridlock hard to do that. And, you know, we've yes. seen that. But, you know, that's going to be the similar thing with the Fed now that they may not be, you know, every, you know, time they meet, boom, boom, boom. But it could be, you know, small little trickles. It's not like they're going to start just slashing at 0.5% every time as well, getting it back down. Right. You know, one of the things that uh, that most of the folks that I've talked to, listened to, expect at the December meeting and the December announcement is rather than that 75 basis point increase, so rather than a three-quarter percent increase, probably only half a percent in December, not cutting back, but only a half a percent increase. And kind of figuring that for the next two or three rounds and then maybe down to a quarter after that to eventually go, okay, we're going to leave the Fed rate where it is. And that rate's going to be up there, uh, quote, unquote, up there, uh, because that's all relative, right? It's going to be higher than we've been used to for, for probably a few years. Yeah, but also, you know, historically looking back, not that large of an increase because, you know, we are... Coming out of a, an idea in a time period where there was historically low rates, so I think it's that also perception in you know that kind of scale and history that people don't remember the time when you know seven eight percent rates were the norm right, when right. borrowing money was so almost you know free and readily available. Exactly, you know that that idea that there should be very low interest rates um, really. Holding rates down over the course of a number of years artificially actually ends up hurting mm-hmm. different things, right? It ends up hurting the market. Um, if you're a home seller, for example, that was great because the value of your home was going up and the money was cheap to borrow for folks who wanted to buy. But that's also almost artificially inflating the price, the value of different things because when we, when we talk about interest rates and what they do to the dollar, a low interest rate inflates the value of the dollar, which means that we need more of those dollars right, to actually buy something than we did before. Sounds kind of like inflation mm-hmm. to me if you're artificially holding this back. 
but the the idea ultimately is that we've got to find that balance. And you know, we we saw this uh, a couple of different times, really, in the past couple of decades, where the Fed has gone, "Uh oh, the rates are too low. We need to raise them a little bit." And sometimes they did just raise them once or twice over the course of a year. Sometimes, like we've seen now, they've raised six times, and there are going to be a couple more raises coming into 2023, really to to truly bring things back into the proper the the proper balance, if you will. And and that's not to say that the eight percent inflation is the proper balance, but really uh, that number I think that the Fed is probably looking to is more in that two and a half to three percent as normal for inflation year over year. Because we've had several years where there was very little, like less than a percent inflation. Yeah. And another big, you know, headline that came out this past week was um the news that the another federal court has now put a stay on the uh, federal student loan relief program. Obviously, that ten dollars to $20,000 in relief for qualifying borrowers, yada, yada, yada. We know the details. We've already read the disclaimer. Right. But uh, what's the market kind of reacting with that, knowing that uh, come January, there's going to be a lot of you know people paying and a lot of maybe troubles with the uh, processors getting up to speed to collect? You know, it, it, it's funny because last week I was sitting in a uh, in a in a webcast basically, and one of the things that was being talked about were the new uh, 529 things and the new student loan pieces coming mm-hmm. out for 2023. And literally an hour after that ended, came the injunction that struck down the uh, the relief uh, the relief act there on the student loans. And it totally negated half of what I just got done watching on the uh, on on the WebEx there. Uh, an interesting thing with that, the the market itself hasn't really reacted to that. Mostly, mm-hmm. I think because they didn't believe as a whole that this was really going to happen anyway. Okay, so again, what the future might hold with that, it goes to you know the the key line that we had from Evan last week. <laughs> yes. uh, everyone else, is that it? Yep, it depends. It depends. It absolutely depends. Uh, so thanks for uh, being with us here through the first segment today, folks. We are up against that first break. When we come back, we're talking about some more of those headlines out there, and in particular, some crypto issues that have crept up on us. This will be a doozy. Uh, stick around, everybody. We will be right back. Does stock market volatility have you wondering which way is up? Do the talking heads and doomsayers have you wondering if this really is the end? If you want straight answers from an advisor who isn't just trying to sell you something, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment today. And don't forget to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday mornings at 10 right here on KRDO. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Folks, thanks for sticking around with us through that break. Rick Stevens here in studio with Andrew Rogers on Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. First segment of the show, kind of talking about market conditions, mm-hmm. things going on there, Andrew. But, uh, you know, there's there, there's been a little crypto issue in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, kind of sitting here with the day job, doing the news for hours and hours every day. <laughs> uh, a lot of talk about... FTX and what's going on. And let's, you know, maybe take a couple of steps back and 
as everyone's kind of heard it, and it's almost becoming a ubiquitous term, but what is FTX and how did they get to a place where now everyone's talking about it all the time? So, so FTX was an exchange, right? So, so think about the New York Stock Exchange mm-hmm. or the Chicago Stock Exchange or the Pacific Stock Exchange in San Francisco. A- an exchange is just a meeting place where buyers and sellers get together. It, it, it is truly what we would think of in the you know 1800s as an actual market, right? You think about like a farmer's market today. Mm-hmm. An exchange is another way to, to describe what that sort of market is. So FTX was a crypto exchange. That's where people would get together and you could buy and sell cryptocurrencies on, on that exchange. And in fact, it was the number four crypto exchange in the world in terms of the amount of volume that it did, uh, as well as the the value of that exchange. And yes, exchanges have a value because mm-hmm. you can buy the exchanges. Um, you can buy, in this case, it with FTX, they actually had what is called a token, right? Because they're not a publicly traded company that's regulated by the SEC, but they could sell tokens that said you own a certain percentage of ownership in this exchange, and as the exchange makes money, you make money because you're an owner and you have the rights to the profits there. And they were they were in business for a little over three years, started back in 2019, and they, they made some, uh, I guess we could call it some very Enron-esque decisions. Yeah, kind of, you know, really taking the whole idea of cryptocurrencies being decentralized and unregulated to that risk. And, you know, it all really has to do with a lot of, you know, that CEO and their founder kind of, is it fair to say playing fast and loose with uh, those money, the funds that came in with that index? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very very, uh, acceptable to say that because that's really what he did. Um, you know, some exchanges, some of the crypto exchanges uh, have in their charter or in their regulations on themselves that we're not going to use client funds because you can actually store your uh, your crypto at the exchange mm-hmm. rather than in your own digital wallet somewhere. That They had initially said, we're not going to use client funds as collateral for any of our loans. Well, they had swept in earlier in 2022 when when we saw that first uh, massive fall in the crypto market. They had bought another exchange to basically save it. But in order to buy that exchange, they had to borrow against assets, which means they were borrowing against client assets that they initially said they weren't going to do. But now they're putting up collateral that they didn't technically own. And, and that's an issue. Yeah. And, you know, where does it kind of rank? Because we know, let's say this wasn't FTX. You know, we'll use another example, like a, a layman. Right. Who would have, you know, done that. And there's obviously those steps, those regulators in there, the SEC, those like, mm-hmm. to protect it. But the whole point of crypto is to be decentralized and unregulated. But when these kind of things happen... Using those client funds, what, if any, resource is there for those clients to, you know, say, hey, this ain't what we signed up for and get it back? Or that's that, or is that the risk that they're playing with this unregulated kind of market? 
so so that is one of the risks that that faces the the investors uh the the folks who have invested in cryptocurrency and left it sitting on an exchange mm-hmm. that's absolutely a risk uh that is out there the the possibility of these things just going away uh the other part is because we don't see the regulations on there 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 are a lot of um shall we shall we say some some creative accounting things mm-hmm. that can be done. Uh, this actually very closely mirrors actually what happened at Enron from the late 90s into the early 2000s before it was discovered what was going on there. You know, one of the things with with Enron back in the day was that they looked like a company making money hand over fist, just completely growing and growing and growing and growing, and nobody could figure out how they did it. Well, how Enron did it is they had a number of different shell companies that they hid all of the debt inside of. Mm-hmm. And and ultimately, when that debt comes to light, you're going, oh, this is not, this is actually not the kind of profitable company we thought it was. And we saw the crash of Enron and, and actually saw folks who were arrested, tried, put into prison uh, for that as well. But part of that's because they were regulated. And they had certain things that that they had to be doing. Yeah, and then when it comes to that too, for some of those clients, is that an issue? I know, say it was if it was a bank that was going to collapse, like we saw in two thousand eight. There's you know the FDIC that would come in, say you know you put your money in the bank, they don't have it anymore. All of a sudden, Mister FDIC through Uncle Sam or whatever, poof, your money's back in. Is that what happened with Enron? As well as there those similar, you know, kind of consumer protections on that level. So there's a yes and a no to that. The uh, the the consumer protection side in in the industry uh, is called the SIPC. That's mm-hmm. in the investment industry, and that would be, uh, for example, if uh, for whatever reason my broker went out of business, ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. Folks could still get access to their actual holdings. Now, it doesn't guarantee that the holdings and the value of those are going up and down uh, through there. It doesn't. It doesn't keep you from losing money in there. It just guarantees you have access to what your holdings were. Mm-hmm. So, if you had, you know, uh, if the if the Lions were a publicly traded team, and you had ten shares of stock in the Lions, and you had them with a broker, and that broker suddenly ceased to exist. You could still get access to your ten shares in the Detroit Lions. Okay, it doesn't guarantee that the value is going up or going to not go down. It just means you have access to that. Yeah, that's the SIPC. That's how it's a little different from FDIC, right? The FDIC is the bank insurance that says, "Hey, if you've got less than two hundred fifty thousand dollars in the account, we guarantee you can get to that money." Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they guarantee that you'll be able to get to that. There's nothing like that in the crypto world. So those folks who saw the value, if they had the uh, the FTT, that, that's the token for FTX, if they held the FTT tokens, um, right now they're down about 94% in the value. Yeah, and, you know, that's, again, we come back to that's, you know, kind of what they wanted to do with crypto is deregulated, not have, you know, Uncle Sam, the kind of protections in there. But yet, how can a company based off of that then take advantage of some of the other regulatory factors like, say, 
their $32 million bankruptcy filing? And how can they kind of play both sides of that coin? So an interesting thing in the bankruptcy side, um, there's actually an order in which creditors get paid. So creditors have to sign up. Okay, this is how much that company owes me. From there, you typically then get to your stockholders or your stakeholders, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then they're like the next in line. So that what happens is in a bankruptcy side of of things, uh, let's say that I've got a company. It's worth a million dollars. I have a million dollars of debt. But I also have stockholders in my company Mm -hmm. that have put in a million dollars of equity. Well, I go through bankruptcy. And there are different types of the bankruptcy. There's Chapter 7, there's Chapter 11. One of them is basically a reorganization of the company. It will still exist. The other is my company ceases to exist and basically gets sold off to the highest bidder. When the company is sold off to the highest bidder, that money then goes, okay, who are the creditors? Creditors A, B, C, D, E, and F, you guys are getting paid. Okay, now, after my creditors are paid, the former shareholders... Do we have anything left over? Okay, if we've got $100,000 left over because we paid $900,000 to the creditors, you guys who put in a million bucks, you're getting 10 cents on the dollar. Here's your money back. The the company no longer exists. Okay. And of course, you know, with this, you know, being one of the bigger, you know, names when it comes to crypto, obviously it's not just involving them, their index. Right their clientele, but really this is having some pretty big repercussions and reverberations in the crypto market as a whole. It, it is because as an exchange, it's not a partic- particular cryptocurrency as much as it is the ability to trade the currencies that you have. So in the 10 days, basically, since the, uh, the news broke on FTC, uh, Bitcoin, and this was as of yesterday because it's always hard to get an exact number because crypto is traded 24-7. So mm-hmm. I can throw this in. I looked at the numbers yesterday, which would have been Tuesday at about 9.30 p.m. So as of then, Bitcoin in those 10 days was down over 20%. Ethereum was down 23.5%. Litecoin down 145 Dogecoin was down 38.5% just in those 10 days since this news had broken. That's, I mean, granted, you know, those numbers, I almost have to take it with a grain of salt because it's so volatile anyway that we're used to seeing 20, 30% swings in a day, let alone, you know, over that span. But, I mean, this has been almost like a prolonged just downturn when it comes to cryptocurrencies, you know, almost seeing some consistency in it, which is unique. Right. You know, the the interesting thing through here, and especially if we take a look over the entire year, you know, we, we had done the show not too long ago talking about really what is the value of a cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. And the answer is it's whatever value somebody assigns to it. Yeah. Well, the, the market as a whole is starting to take away what, they thought the value of those would be. Because if you look in the last 12 months, most of your cryptocurrencies are down anywhere from 65 to 75%, and some of them down even more than that. Uh, the last 12 months, Bitcoin is down over 73% from its high. Ethereum is down 72 plus percent. 
Litecoin is down 77, almost 78%. Dogecoin down 66% from 12 months ago because folks are starting to go, you know, I don't really trust that there's value in, in some of these pieces. Um, I've even seen places where folks have said, you know what, we've not yet seen the bottom of the crypto market. It could have another 10 to 15% below where it is now. So what does the future then hold if, you know, the largest market for cryptocurrency itself is going belly up, probably? And you're seeing, you know, the market maybe turn it. I mean, is there a way that this will maybe stabilize out or was it a good experiment? You know, hey, you know, it had its good run. This is the new Coke of the financial world and we're just going to go back to tried and true. Well, as a, as a guy who remembers... When Coke 2 came out, the new Coke, uh, and uh, that failed miserably, even though they tried to say that they didn't do it to actually update the classic Coca-Cola recipe. But, you know, again, I may Mm -hmm. or may not be a conspiracy theorist. Uh, However, in looking at uh, at all of these different pieces, I think uh, as Alan Greenspan had put it, Back in that 2007, 8, 9 world, there was some uh, unrealistic exuberance going on over this, this new toy, if you will, in the cryptocurrency world. And I think we're starting to get back to some reality of what really are these things going to be worth in the long run? Yeah, it's definitely something, you know, to keep on the lookout for. Well, we're coming up on that next break, but... Still ahead, we've talked a lot about uh, what's been on in the headlines right now. We know this is the pre-Thanksgiving show, so there's some Thanksgiving-esque topics to get to as well. You know, some impacts that we'll be talking about and uh, things involving your money. Still ahead right here on Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. Money affects each of us in different ways. Sometimes it's a source of stress and fear. Sometimes it's a source of comfort and security. Whatever your perspective, it's always good to get a second set of eyes on your finances to help serve as a guide. If you are looking for that guidance, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday mornings at 10. Products and services offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA, SIPC. Folks, thanks for sticking with us through that break. Rick Stevens here in studio with Andrew Rogers. Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group. We are going to talk some Black Friday stuff, Andrew, because that's coming up soon. That's coming up soon. And again, just like every other holiday, you're skipping the meat, the main course. Obviously, Thanksgiving, the day before Black Friday. Yes, yes. And, you know, there's some recent uh, reports coming out. And, of course, you know, we talked a lot about inflation in the economy leading things off. But you realize the typical Thanksgiving meal this year, including all the trimmings, 20% more this year compared to last year. So even that's going to start hitting a lot of people as well. Well, the good news is I'm eating about 20% less uh, year over year. So I think at my house... The budget should probably get pretty close to where it was, and I'll have one less kid home at Thanksgiving. True, so, so, but so I it'll, mean, it'll you work know, there. helping to get that fueled up, you know, maybe a little surprise, you know, helping out with some Alaskan meals that could 
inch it back up a little bit. Well, we've already taken uh, it, that into consideration. Okay. Uh, we we already budgeted that part in for her uh, for her increased food expense because uh, you know that is one of the things that we've discovered is not just the inflation in Colorado Springs and, and El Paso County as a whole, especially when it comes to buying food, but. Food's a little more expensive in Alaska because there's not a lot of stuff grown there. No, but when it does get grown there, (laughs) go up there for the uh, state fair next year, next uh, fall. But when it comes to those staples and what we're paying more for, do you know what's seeing the largest increase this year compared to years past when it comes to the traditional holiday mail? So so I'm going to guess it's not the pumpkin or the pecans for the pie uh because that would be that would be crazy right mm-hmm. to pay more for the pumpkin pie. I'm going to guess it's probably something along the lines cuz I've I I've been out grocery shopping uh, okay. the last couple of weeks. Humble brag. And and well, I do that every week, but you know, what can I say? I uh, I I get to do uh, half of our shopping. I get to do the Costco okay. half. My wife does the other half because uh if she goes to Costco, um, our our budget sometimes gets exceeded True. Um, in there. Um, and, you know, complete and total left-hand turn on this. I've actually got a buddy whose uh, wife confiscated his Costco card, and he's not allowed to go in by himself anymore uh, for very similar reasons True. Yeah. Um, in there. But as, as I've been out, I've looked at prices of different things. I'm going to go with turkey is close to the top there, if not the top, of the the biggest price increase year over year. It is one of them, about 21% or so. And, of course, the supply is really impacted by the avian flu. But this, according to Axios, Mm -hmm. stuffing mix. Really? 14-ounce bag of cube stuffing mix. 69% 69% increase wow. year over year. Wow. See, that's why you should make your own stuffing. You buy the you buy the bread. In fact, buy the day-old bread, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's usually cheaper. And you're making stuffing out of it or dressing either way, right? Stuffing is inside the bird. Dressing is inside the pan. And and you, know, you, you take that. You already want the old dried-out stuff. So buy the day-old Make the whole thing from scratch. Save some money. Yeah, and speaking of saving money, that's the whole point of Black Friday is you get in that turkey coma. Maybe you need to uh, maybe lick your wounds, you know, get a smile on your face after what's usually been the uh, morning disappointment. Yes, yes. Ah, uh, especially this year I'm when you've got not talking about a particular Honolulu blue team, are you? This especially year? as you're welcoming in a certain... Uh, Mafia into uh, <laughs> downtown Detroit for the annual uh, affair, the only nationally televised game. Yes, yes. But, uh, yeah, Black Friday is going to be coming up. And, of course, you know, we've seen a lot of retailers now having some issues already, and they're saying this could be a banner year for those deals trying to maybe get some, you know, excess stock out or trying to maybe turn the tide of what's been a mediocre year so far. You know, it's it's interesting from the from the business side of things, right? There there are two ways that that we generate revenue. Mm-hmm. There there's either the we we have a very nice profit margin on our on our items and we don't have to sell very many, or we go for selling it in volume. And, and I think this year, what we are going to see are some really good Black Friday deals 
because because the companies are going to say we need to get this out in volume. I, I will take a slimmer profit margin, and instead of selling ten of them, I'm going to try to sell a hundred of you know fill in the blank, whether that's a crock pot or a microwave or a, or, or an HD TV or whatever yeah. the case may be. Yeah, especially when you have you know retailers like you know Target just this week saying that their year over year comparable sales are for one of the very first times looking down. So they're going to try and get more of that foot traffic in and get people to come in and get lost in that target vortex. Exactly, exactly. And and when we're looking at that, when we're thinking about that, because I can remember years ago showing up mm-hmm. at a Sears here in town at the Citadel Mall at like 5 a.m. because they only had X number of crock pots available for five bucks each. So you had to be one of the first however many in there to probably get to it. I remember doing that, but part of that reason was there was a budget that we had. There was a budget of not just we're going to replace some stuff at home, but also we're, we're buying some Christmas sort of things for, for the kids, for family, and we wanted to get the best possible deals mm-hmm. on those things. Yeah, and when it comes to that budget, obviously there's a lot to kind of get in mind because you get into these shopping sprees and, you know, again, back in the day, waiting in line, those door busters, not only are you fighting the crowd, you also have that endorphin rush, which, you know, kind of yes. triggers what you might see, maybe say in Las Vegas, things like that. And really having that plan ahead of time is so crucial, knowing that uh, there's so many other factors you're going to be fighting with. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it, it's just like, well, quite frankly, anything else we do in our financial world, right? We, we need to have that plan in mind. We need to consider our budget because quite frankly, oftentimes when we see things that are on sale and are deeply discounted, we start thinking about how much more stuff we can we can get and we end up actually spending more on some things we didn't need just because they were on sale. Yeah, look at, you know, what the savings was. Look at, you know, well, I mean, it was going to be $300. Now it's $100. So I just saved myself $200 right there. You're coming off that win, but just, you know, like that meal ahead of time, you got to know what size plate you have and not overdo it and not, you know, get, you know, your eyes too big for your stomach. Exactly. You know, this is actually the time of year when more people go into debt, in particular credit card debt, by overspending because they didn't really plan things out well. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately, they end up paying, you know, two and three times what they should have paid because, well, I've put that on the credit card, but I can't pay that off next month or the month after or the month after. And, and they end up paying for two and three years sometimes because they're not paying that card in full. They charge something on it. And now it's going to take a while to to pay it back simply because we didn't think ahead. We didn't budget. We didn't actually set up our own uh, guide rails, if you will, as to what are we going to buy? What are we going to spend? You know, it's, it's one of those things. And, and Dave Ramsey says it all the time. Uh, do you guys know that Christmas comes every year? It's not just a, oh, hey, we're going to do it now. It's actually something we can be planning for and thinking about in advance so that as we are building that budget across the year, 
we've actually have a dollar amount specifically set aside that, yes, this is what we will spend. So now, as you mentioned, most Americans don't do that. Most Americans will overextend. So what should somebody, you know, who might be listening to this who thought, you know, it did sneak up on me. That annual holiday snuck up on me. They don't have that plan, but also are like, you know, this year's a little tighter than normal. Things are going up. How? What do you say, you know, to those people who haven't made that plan, but maybe need to have that last minute, maybe way to throw some kind of plan together? You know, the 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 easy thing for me to say, anyway, it's you know, and I tell folks all the time, dealing with money is simple. But it's not always easy because there's emotion that goes into it, right? I want to buy X, Y, Z, whether that's for me, whether that's for my 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 at-home family, whether that's my extended family because I love to give gifts, whatever the case may be, the first thing we need to do is to sit down and say, what can I truly afford to do, right? What is that thing that I can truly afford to do that's not going to put me in a bad situation. And, you know, maybe you're you're used to buying a $100 gift for, you know, somebody in the family. This year, I bet they wouldn't care if you knock that down to 75 or 50 if those are the dollar numbers that are closer to your budget or you know what? Make them something, right? Because I will tell you this, as a guy who who really can't eat it anymore, Oh my goodness, homemade bread is just a gift from the heart. Oh my, especially when it's still warm. Oh, it, it, it melts my soul. Yeah, absolutely. Or even, you know, not a big gift or, you know, thing, you know, going out and spend that, but maybe that thoughtful experience of let's find some way that we can do something that you can maybe put on the calendar. Then you give yourself some time to plan out. And then cash in later instead of working on a credit card and just immediately jumping into uh, kind of deepening that hole. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that that idea and, and really, if we think about it, even in our own lives, over the many, many years where where we've received gifts, I probably couldn't tell you to this day what I got when I was 11 years old, 12 years old, 13 years old. But I can tell you about experiences that I was taken on. I can tell you that I can remember vividly the first time I set foot in Wrigley Field was August 10th, 1984. I can remember it like it was yesterday. That kind of an experience, right? And at that point in time, I think my ticket was probably five bucks. Yeah, so there's a lot of other things to do, and it doesn't have to be, you know, again, we say it often on here. It's not just what that box on the, you know, on the wall with all the red lights and all the flashing, the woo woo, you know, the emergency. Yes, it's not yes. going to be, you know, what you have to do that because it's going to be feeling you to go, 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 get, get, get. There's other ways to do it. Right. And, and you know, ultimately, whether we're talking about the family at home, we're talking about some extended family, whatever the case may be, ultimately what we what we really do remember are those experiences, mm-hmm. right? We remember when we went and did XYZ as a family. We remember when our friends said, you know what? We are going to let you pick a date. We'll watch the kids. You guys figure out what you want to do to go out. And here's 
you know, $25 on a Visa gift card to, to help with some enjoyment. Oh, your lips to God's ears. <laughs> oh. I mean, that, that I've got that warm bread feeling that you have <laughs> with that idea right there. You know, it's it's one of those things that that idea, that act of service out there. Mm-hmm. You know, even even you know, for those of you that are out there going, "Oh, acts of service is my love language," and others going, "What in the world's a love language?" We all can feel it when somebody says, "I want to help. I want to take care of you. Let me do this so you can go enjoy that." Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to uh, keep up with it, and again, you know, it's all about that planning, that effort as well, and. Who knows, maybe if you are looking for that gift, like we talked in the last segment, cryptocurrencies on sale right uh, now. Yes, it's it's considerably on it, sale it's, right it's now. It's a good, uh, it's, a, it's a Black Friday year-round on that one. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, folks, that is where we have to finish the current segment. We are up against that break. When we come back... We're going to talk some fun Thanksgiving stuff. We're going to talk some, you know, Thanksgiving memories, some some things that that we experienced growing up. And I'm going to talk about my favorite Thanksgiving show of all time. So stick around. We will be right back. Are you worried about what's been going on in the markets and how it has affected your portfolio? Maybe you need a financial checkup. If you have questions about the health of your financial future, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary checkup. And remember to tune into KRDO on Saturdays at 9 a.m. and Sundays at 10 a.m. to catch Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Well, folks, thank you for sticking around through that break. Rick Stevens here with... Andrew Rogers in the studio. By the way, Rogers spelled appropriately without that extra D like the guy in Green Bay. That's right. I actually know how to spell my name correctly. And awkwardly enough, having a name that starts with an A in the last name Rogers, a lot of people try to call me Aaron. Ooh, ooh. I can't imagine that's a whole lot of fun as a Lions fan. No. I mean, it's a little bit better, at least after, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, Very, very true. Very true. Uh, Folks, we are on this last segment of Money Matters presented by FRS Financial. And and because this is our pre-Thanksgiving weekend, I I thought it very appropriate, Andrew, just to talk about some of those those fun Thanksgiving memories that that we've had over the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe a little bit about traditions, because maybe there's some folks out there that are going, you know what, this is not my normal Thanksgiving this year. Um, I'm, I'm looking for a way to change some things up. You know, they could be like me. They've got a, uh, a college student who's not going to be home for Thanksgiving because she's got practice all week. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're not flying her home Thanksgiving afternoon to fly her back to Anchorage Friday morning afterwards. Um, so she's staying up there for Thanksgiving, but, uh, we, we are also, you know, 2007, we moved a thousand miles away from all of our family. So we had to establish some new Thanksgiving mm-hmm. traditions. And uh, one of the things that, that we do, and, and some folks might think it's a little kooky, we actually play some old Native American games on Thanksgiving afternoon. Okay, I'm listening. So, and and the things that, uh, you know, you, you would probably look at and go, okay, that's a little weird. Uh, one of the games that we play 
that that was a, an old game uh, played by uh, different Native American tribes is you take a, a string that's oh, maybe 12 or 14 inches long, put it behind your back, tie however many knots in it that you want, and people have to guess how many knots are in your string. Yeah, I know. Sounds a little kooky. Sounds a little crazy. But that's one of those the things that we play. Uh, we also do, uh, and, and, you know, growing up, did, did you ever have that, like, uh, cup with the ball on the string, and you got to try to flip mm-hmm. it up and, and catch the, yeah. the ball in the cup? Well, there's an old Native American game that's similar to it, but it's got a stick and another stick that's kind of donut-shaped, and you've got to try to flip that up and catch it on your stick. So so we'll play that and we'll we'll keep a running tally out of, you know, five tries, how many times uh, okay. each person got it. And uh one of the, one of the other things we do is there's a a game where you've got a wooden bowl and we use almonds for this. We we put I think six or seven almonds in the bowl. And now granted if you if you're going back a couple hundred years ago, they didn't have a Sharpie. Yeah. But we use a Sharpie for this. We mark one side of the almond. Okay. And you start with the Sharpie side up, and you flip them up in the air, and you catch the almonds, but only the ones with the Sharpie side up count. It's a little crazy. It's a little kooky. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we we like to teach uh, our kids. Guys, these are the, the fun and game sort of things that happened 300 years ago. 400 years ago, 500 years ago, especially around that Thanksgiving time okay. frame. Yeah, I mean, I don't. we don't have any of those kind of traditions. I well, think we're, we're kind of weird at my house because we are a homeschool family. Yeah, I was about all. to say, that sounds very <laughs> homeschool. Um, uh, yeah, no, I think ours is much more probably tr- conventional. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I will say the, the, the other big condi- tradition is now since we're back home, my house has ended up becoming the one where we have everyone come to, all the, you know, extended families, grandparents, great-grandparents, things like that. Really easy having very two little ones. Yes, yes. But uh, it starts very early for me. I mean, mine will probably start at about 3, 4 in the morning. Well, just, a regular day then. Yeah, uh, it'll be a regular day for me because, again, we're also going to be back here on Black <laughs> Friday, so i got to keep the schedule going. Uh. But uh, since... I'll smoke the turkey, so I got to get up, get the smoker going, get that all going, and take that extra time to get the meal cooked mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Now, now here's a question because there's this debate, right, that that goes all over all over mm-hmm. the the country. Is it Thanksgiving lunch or is it Thanksgiving dinner? Well, and again, this is also dominated by the newest members of the family. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, it'll be a late lunch. Probably shooting for that kind of three o'clock ish. So get nap times dealt with, things like that, and uh, hopefully have a little bit better attitudes coming in. And and that's also after the Lions game should be over, right? Yeah. yeah that, so that attitude may or may not be as good as it could be. Well, it'll also help that you know the turkey and my having lifting will be at least going and set up well in advance. So really. Can't screw it up at that point if <laughs> the attitude needs some adjustment yes, yes. as we go into the afternoon. Yep. Yeah, you know, as as a kid, we we didn't do those things, uh, the the Native American games as a kid. 
uh, as a kid, you know, my family growing up, it was very, very much the traditional uh, sort of thing. We actually did lunch ish. Mm-hmm. So it was like a later lunch, but like a one o'clock type later lunch. Um, so not terribly late in the day, not like a, we're going to do a, uh, uh, what do you want to call that? Liner or, uh, or, or, uh, dunch or, or three or, o'clock. You, uh, <laughs> you know, some would say the difference between a supper and a dinner, maybe right? just call it a supper. Yep. Yep. Um, and you know, as, as a kid growing up, it was all of that sort of stuff. It was the traditional, uh, roast turkey, right? Mm-hmm. Because back in the eighties, we didn't smoke turkeys. We, we roasted them. Um, though I do wholeheartedly prefer the smoked turkey, so I might be over Thanksgiving afternoon. Um, you know, you, you had the, the cranberry sauce from the can, right? Still yeah. can-shaped when you pulled that one out. Well, it's a it's a great way to, you know, present it. The presentation from the can roll. Yes. It, it's yeah. you, you can't just iconic. <laughs> Absolutely. And it was the green bean casserole, and it was mm-hmm. the dressing because we didn't stuff it in the bird, but it was the dressing. Uh, just in that casserole dish alongside and, you know, all the other stuff that goes along with it, right? The the mashed potatoes. In, in my house, we always did noodles uh, to go along with that because okay. you want fresh noodles uh, with, with that sort of stuff. And, you know, you, you, you've got the, the pumpkin pie and the pecan pie. And for those that didn't like pumpkin or pecan, you had chocolate pie. Uh, my favorite, though, and and my goodness to this day, so my wife and I were dating when we were in high school. Okay. So our Thanksgivings actually happened twice. We we went to my side and to her side because they were actually far enough apart in the day we could do that. And my favorite, absolute favorite, were her aunt's sourdough rolls. Did I mention I like bread yeah. a little bit, especially the fresh baked and warm stuff? Once oh, or twice. Oh, just, just, again, melts the soul. Yeah. See, and, you know, again, we... Don't have any of the different ones. I mean, we still call it stuffing, even though it doesn't go in the bird. It goes in the pan, but we just call it stuffing for some reason. Well, stovetop made you do that. Yeah. But uh, this one, this year's going to be a little different. I've been told that there's going to be some extra family members coming. And one decided, I'll bring a ham. So I guess we're going to add ham into the mix, which... Which means more turkey for you. Yeah. Or, you know, luckily... I'll be able to hopefully get a turkey, and I don't have yes. to find you know the biggest one to max out the <laughs> smoker as yeah. the size and the people keep going and going. Yep, yep, absolutely, absolutely. Now, now, do you guys uh, do any? Um, I guess I'll call it either Thanksgiving traditions or uh, even some folks do uh, what I would call a pre-Christmas tradition of okay Thanksgiving happened on Thursday on Friday we're putting up the Christmas tree kind of stuff we I was really big on that and really kind of held strong to it until this year where our trees already up and decorated <laughs> uh, to you know appease the you know other members in the household who, yes yes uh you know very thankful that she puts up with a lot and getting you know two kids under three. In and out of, you know, stuff while I'm at work every day. So it was a way to kind of give back to that. But, you know, the one thing we'll do is kind of get around with the whole family and it gets a little obnoxious. And especially, you know, if you've got somebody who's been up all morning and then watched a certain football team probably lose, go around and do the whole what are you thankful for and all that with the family. 
Yep. And then it gets, you know, more sarcastic and kind of <laughs> belabored as it goes. So so it almost becomes a cards against the family uh, sort of a thing. As, yeah, as it kind of becomes a traditional, you know, family roast. And then we'll, you know, do like the family name draw and things like that uh, to kind of help out with the Christmas. And then it comes the immediate game of who can crack who has everyone first. Nice. Nice. I love it. You know, we... Uh, we do similar things, right, uh, of going around the table, talking about the the different things that you're thankful for. Uh, we typically watch uh, a couple of different things as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for the kids, we almost always watch a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving Yeah. Um, because my, my kids, uh, and, and we've actually threatened more than once to have a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving meal with the popcorn and the jelly beans and the toast uh, as our Thanksgiving meal uh, once or twice, but... But we always get to watch my absolute favorite, favorite television episode ever. Mm-hmm. And I think it's appropriate because we're on the radio here. And <sighs> my favorite Thanksgiving episode ever, WKRP in Cincinnati, The Turkey Drop. It is iconic. Yes. Yes, it is. Because, you know, one of the things that I had actually read about this was while it's not the exact real story that happened, it's actually based on something that was very similar uh, to that. And, you know, there's there's a, an urban legend behind it, as always. Uh, so there's a little bit of, of did this happen in Atlanta? Did it happen in Dallas? Were they live turkeys? Were they frozen turkeys? Were they, were they tossed out of the back of a truck or were they dropped from an airplane? Uh, you get all of these different pieces on it, but but my favorite episode ever, yes, the turkey, the turkey drop, and I've always wanted to say on the radio, as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> it, you just don't get any better than that, right? No. So, no, well, well, really don't. Well, folks, that is all the time we've got for this episode of Money Matters. If you've got questions, if you've got some things you'd like to hear about, give us a call, 719-500-8700. You can send me an email, rstevens at frsfinancialgroup.com. You can go to our website, frsfinancialgroup.com. Top right-hand corner of that page is the Contact Us tab. Hit that, send us a message, send us a question, anything that you'd love to hear about in the future, or if you've got something in terms of your own financial world, feel free to contact us, set up a time. We're happy to sit down and and really just go over things with you. It's a complimentary consultation. There's no cost to do that. Uh, Andrew, you have a happy Thanksgiving. You as well, Rick. We will uh, catch up after after the meal and then of course uh full steam on to christmas full steam on to christmas well folks thanks for tuning in this week we will be back again next week continuing to talk about your money because your money matters thanks for tuning in everybody 